Welcome to Juice Guru Radio. Discover what the magic and power of juicing can do for you. And now, your host, best-selling author of The Complete Idiot's Guide to Juice Fasting, Steve Prusak. Hello and welcome. Welcome back to another edition of Juice Guru Radio. I'm your host, Steve. It's great to be with you. On today's show, we've got Michael Bedar, researcher and author of the newly released Sweet Healing, A Whole Health Journey. We're going to hear about his journey, what led to this book, and a lot more, what you can take out of it. Uh, all this and more on this edition of Juice Crew Radio, so stay tuned. We'll be right back with Michael Bedar. Did you know you can make a great living in the hottest new business trend today? The Juice Guru Certification Program is the world's first online course to give you the knowledge and marketing skills to excel as a juicing coach and start making money in no time. Find out more at juicecoachtraining.com. Hello and welcome back. Welcome back to Juice Crew Radio. I'm your host, Steve Persack. It's great to be with you. And on today's show, we've got Michael Bedar. He's a researcher and author, co-director of the East Bay Healing Collective in Berkeley, California, and the author of the recently released novel, Sweet Healing, A Whole Health Journey. We're going to hear all about that. The website, readsweethealing.com. We'll have links for you up at juicegrewradio.com. So, Check that out. So sit back, relax, have a juice, have some water, some tea, and join us with Michael Bedar. Michael, welcome to Juice Guru Radio. It is great to be with you, Steve. Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for joining us. We're really excited about your new book and hearing all about it. So uh, let, let's get into that and talk a little about your background and what led to that moment of, yeah, I want, I want to write this book. And it's a fiction, right? It's definitely a novel, yeah. So... Uh, I wanted to write a story that would be engaging and, you know, take the data that I had as a researcher and have it be read by more than three academics. I wanted it to be pragmatic, useful, downright inspirational and motivational in presentation and informative in the foundations of health and wellness that it presents. So this book is a mystery, suspense, family fiction novel about natural health today. Is that pretty much does that encapsulate what you've got here yeah and it's more than that too so um when you like when you're in a state of suspense and your your interest is peaked to find out what happens next what happens on the next page with these characters that you come to love and relate to with with like you could be them this could be you in another reality then what they go through um in terms of their interrelationships uh, this is basically man-woman, uh, person-neighbor, parent-child. All these relationships become uh, real and, and like a, a palpable in your mind. So when they're facing health challenges and realize what was out of their view before that could help them heal themselves, it's like you're realizing it. It's like you or the loved one that you give sweet healing to is realizing it for themselves. Um, because they love the characters, they can relate to them, and the journey starts. It goes step by step and step, and they don't start off being um, enlightened or in love with the juice. It's actually based on the data that I found that people heal best when they're emotionally honest with where they are. So the the book starts out that way. They just, you know, this guy was he's diagnosed with type two diabetes, and there's a whole dramatic starting point. And, you know, millions and millions of people can relate to that. And millions more with metabolic syndrome and millions more with prediabetes and um, congestive heart issues. And Now, he doesn't know what he doesn't know but until people start um, appearing in his life mysteriously. There's like these mentors that come out. In the same way 
as when someone hears your show for the first time, they're like, oh, I never heard that from my information sources, my doctor or my the people I've grown up talking to. But this is new. So the story follows what happens when new processes, new tips arrive on the scene of an individual and a family, and they start implementing it. What do they talk about? What, what events happen in their lives? How, how are they shaken up out of their previous conventional comfort zone? And then what do they learn to eat? What juices do they learn to make? What types of exercises with their body do they learn? What types of mind states do they start realizing are possible visionary states to see themselves in the future and move toward that? That's what the book has. Interesting. So really, it's you've developed characters that are each uh, looking to overcome different ailments. Is that the premise? Um, yeah, well, there's actually a, a core focus. It's even more focused than that. It's not, it's not a collection of, of um, stories in a sense. It's a full-on novel where you follow this one family deeply, and it's, it turns out that the names are Gene and Hope, which is actually interesting. <laughs> I chose Gene and Hope. Like, what do you hear when you hear Gene? And what do you hear when you hear Hope? I'm asking. What do you hear when you hear Gene? <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Hope, it's pretty much a given, right? But Gene, uh -huh. yeah. I'm, not, I'm not sure what I would think of when yeah. I hear Gene. Yeah, well, Gene has to do with our, with our biology. We have, we're made of uh, proteins and things that are formed by oh, our genes. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, so, um, and their last name is Curtin. Basically, so you peel back the curtain of your gene, oh, mm -hmm. and, and you find all this, all this potential in the, in the epigenetic level to transform. So, so Gene was expressing himself at a, a low genetic expression, and we all have the capacity to turn off or turn back on. Like the conventional lifestyle turns, the sad lifestyle turns off genes that are anti-diabetic and anti-inflammation and anti-cancer, and then our lifestyle and turn those genes back on so that we have the vibrant genes turned on, the sharp and clear genes turned back on. So that's what his name is all about. So we follow this family, Gene and Hope Curtin, and their, their distant son, Jim, his girlfriend, Dana. Um, then there's neighbors and coworkers and ex-coworkers and um, the principal of a local school and um, the local kid in the playground. All these people um, each do have various different health conditions, and they all come together in living rooms throughout the town to help learn together, and they bring their collective wisdom. One's an electrician, one's a wildlife biologist, uh, one's a teacher, and they, they all know something that can help us, can help the, the mainstream out there learn about metabolic health, about digestion, about the seeds and the sprouting and the juicing and the gardening. They, all, they learn from each other, and soon they're teaching others too. Yeah, it's a good thing I didn't say I was thinking pants when you said Gene. It's a good thing I didn't. <laughs> it's a good thing I didn't say that. Yeah, but that's right. I, I, said well, I know it now. the audience thinking it. So, <laughs> so but what are you hoping we're going to get out of it when we read this book? You're going to get a taste of inspiration, motivation, and a full-fledged essential knowledge about what I call the seven sacred health practices. And I want to give some thanks where credit where credit is due. Um, the seven sacred whole health practices um, actually were defined in their very similar form to, to in my book, in a book called The Whole Health Warrior by Mike Chait. And Mike, like myself, got his master's in, well, in a holistic uh, 
nutrition and and live food nutrition from the Tree of Life Rejuvenation Center and the, the Culture of Life School, which is now called the Cousins School of Holistic Wellness. So he was a, a uh, in-depth reader of Dr. Cousins' work and spiritual nutrition and the six foundations and conscious eating and there is a cure for diabetes and rainbow green live food cuisine. All those books he condensed into a shorter version, these seven sacred practices. And I did a survey and for my master's thesis about how people really learn and how they really change and how they really grow when they're faced with a health condition. And gave and now, and now I give them the seven sacred practices as defined by Mike Chait. So the story uses how people really grow and learn, what type of, of um, agency they have to believe in themselves. I, I feel like I'm talking a little bit around it, actually. But basically, the seven sacred practices they, they learn to use, and they get a sense of, I can do this, because the characters did it, and it's step by step. So they're motivated, inspired, and well-educated in what to do first, you know, what to change about their diet first, how to begin practicing movement, how to begin meditating, and how to begin living outdoors more, being outdoors more. They see what the mainstream challenges are that are, are displayed in the book, and they know that since I read this book, I was so inspired, they did it, so so can I. Mm. Who is the reader of this book? Are you looking to educate those that might be afflicted with something, or is this for the general population who might want to start making changes? Mm, I, I have three main types of readers, it seems, right now. One is somebody who's actually facing a diagnosis of their own, or they really are concerned that they're going in that direction, and they just want to get inspired to make a health change in their life. Two is actually people who really like to be uplifted by a good story. You know, maybe they like the Celestine Prophecy because that was fiction but full of insights. Maybe they like the same thing with the Way of the Peaceful Warrior. Maybe they like Eat, Pray, Love. You know, these are books that are, that are great to read, and they, they leave you uplifted and, and, and inspired and, and turned on to life. And the third group is health practitioners. I have a lot of actual doctors, in fact, plus um, holistic practitioners who are saying, I want this for my clients. I'm going to, you know, one guy just ordered 15 for his clinic. Um, so it's actual health care workers who, who want to use it as an as a inspiring, educating tool for their clientele. Hmm. So I know a lot of research went into the book. You touched on that before. So what kind of research went into how you flesh this out, whether the academia or informal research? What did you do? What was the process on that? Yes. Um, well, the main formal process was a 200-person survey. In the survey, I interviewed um, via a computer screen, via the Internet, um, 200 people who've all been diagnosed with diabetes. And the questions had to do with their attitudes, beliefs, and thoughts, and also their sources of information, to, along with their health conditions, health behaviors, and health outcomes. There were over 100 questions that every participant answered, so there was a ton of data. And I noticed two trends. The people who had the most satisfactory health outcomes, they felt better, 
they were glad with where they were in life, did choose the natural path, and they had two thought and emotional attitudes in common. One was a sense of agency, just in their life, not even to do with juicing or food or anything like that, but just a sense of, I can do something that makes a difference. The second thing they had was a sense of emotional acceptance and honesty. To say, gosh, I de- I'm, I'm despairing. You know, I'm overwhelmed. I'm, I'm afraid. I, I also, I'm, I'm addicted to what I used to do. I have resistance to changing. All this emotional honesty makes a huge difference because they can own it, they could say it, and then they could just be where they are and then make some um, advancement, take some ground from where they actually are. So people who had those qualities in their attitude were able to learn from new information sources, put it into practice, and have the most satisfying health outcomes, generally moving away from a sad, high-sugar, high-processed food diet to a more whole foods, unprocessed, living, and organic diet. All those questions were asked, and those trends really held true. So that data was really great. Like I said, academics could have read it, but I said to myself with Mike Chait's suggestion, I want people to read this and devour it. Like, that's really for them. It's not an ivory tower type of discovery in psychology or something. It's putting it into practice. So the book shows people being emotionally honest about how kind of it, it was scary and it, it was um, overwhelming to be diagnosed. And then having the agency to, to begin step-by-step step to move from point A to point B to point C with their lifestyle. That being said, I also had uh, research in my life experience with um, Making Simply Raw, the documentary. I was one of the um, co-founders and associate producers of that, of that wonderful film. And um, living at the Tree of Life for six years where I actually saw people come in and out. I started my own coaching program after I left the Tree of Life. So all these examples of um, experience that I had formal and informal research, um, the survey for the master's thesis, and life experience. I composited all that experience into the book. So the characters aren't any one person, but they are like the trends that I saw, the, the actual like stages that I, I repeatedly saw. And then I, I created a story and told it like I've seen it in a, in a one particular um, like amalgamation of, of people. What would you say are the cornerstones of the book that all of us can take out of uh, when we read? Like, what, what were the core practices? You mentioned meditation, whole foods, more living foods and juicing, things like that. What are some of those touchstones that we can take away from with us today, even before we jump into the book? Yeah, so I, I'm happy to talk about that. I like putting my cards on the table about what those practices are, because although it's a, it's a mystery to the characters, you will find it exciting to hear the mystery. Right. Uh, read the mystery. I, I put it out there because it's more, it, it's the journey, not the destination. So what they discover are these seven um, foundations, and they're, they actually discover stone by stone by stone. Part of what happens is they find stones as they live this mystery, and each one adds up to like a clue about how to live. So um, I actually have it in this order. Um, cultivating joy, however that looks for you, um, the... Uh, things you love to do, people you like to hang out with, just you know, learning to actually practice being happy. I have um, energetics, which has to do with getting a sense for, for the deeper um, levels of how you're actually feeling and being in tune with that. Then I have a quiet mind, which is um, learning to, to be with your being and how not having to overlay that with your, your, your stories about 
how terrible it is or, or how great it is, but just having a quiet mind. Um, then I have what I call, and it's not, it's not the cliche word, but I have naturalistic hygiene and protection. It's not the natural hygiene sort of trend that's out there, but it just means that having hygiene and protection in your life, that um, whether that's using scents or oils or, or massage or crystals or incense, whatever it is, you actually um, protect yourself using the, the tools that nature has given us. Um, then I, ha- I do have food, water, air for life force. That's the live food. That's the juicing. That's the whole unprocessed foods. That's drinking um, pure, non-acidic water um, and structured water sometimes and being in good air, not where it's polluted. So that's that whole stone or, or foundation, as I call it. And then I have service to fellow human beings. Really got to realize that there's a connection between us. And if we're, if we're holding back being of service, we're really holding back our own health and our own growth. And finally, I have physical and mental exercise, which is to, um, to give your, your mind and your body the opportunity to, to flex themselves so that they continue to, to grow and know themselves and, and be aware of themselves. So um, those are the seven practices they discover. Um, they, like I said, they all turn up in, in the most unexpected ways. And um, as they discover them, they, they learn to implement them into their lives. And that's what the story shows. We talked earlier, or we, um, we have in our show notes here, that there, there was a scene in the book that you were going to share with us. Would, would you be able to do that now? Oh, great. Um, well, I'm going to describe it instead of reading it, because that can get a little tedious on the radio. But um, I will read, I will read a, pra- a, a paragraph to start off. Okay, here we go. The humidity was just as heavy, if not more so, than the day that had changed Jean's life the previous week. This time, the breeze brought about a different feeling, however. Whereas most humid days seem to have only haze, today there were clearly visible thick, puffy clouds billowing up against a deep blue sky. Mind if I climb your fence? My ball flew over it into your yard, huffed and hollered an out-of-breath boy as he rapped on the curtain's front door. Hope, hearing a cacophony that drew her toward the front door, passed the coat hook, calmly swung open the front door. Gathering what the situation was about, she smiled at the boy's predicament and called, Jean! Her voice carried down the hallway into the garage where Jean was tinkering around. I think you ought to come deal with this. It's about a baseball inside our fence, around the side of the house. And a young man who you'd like to meet, she added. Getting to his feet any time he was sitting at his desk was now a chore, a skill that Jean had to relearn now that it involved different weight-bearing angles upon his foot and his prosthesis. Yeah, all right, yep, coming. Using his improved hobble, Jean took more than a minute to arrive at the entranceway. Holding the little enthusiastic Excuse me, beholding the little enthusiastic creature, Jean authoritatively invited him. You can come around through the gate, but I'd like to know your name. I'm Nat, said the boy, tapping a size four cleat against the ground as he started dashing to the gate to seek out the ball. The ball was somewhere out of sight in the yard. Okay, I want to pause there. So, so you have Jean's bodily giving him problems. He can't really start to get up out of the garage, and he's... He's, like, curious about this kid who's looking for the baseball. But the baseball becomes a metaphor. So the next thing that happens 
later on is that uh, Don, who's, who's, who's Nat's grandfather, um, comes around and uh, reintroduces himself to Gene. And Don represents the, the learned uh, master, or at least the one who has mastered his own body. What we know about Don, but Gene doesn't quite know yet, was that he used to have type 2 diabetes. He used to be way overweight, and he used to be look pale and look uh, completely, his skin was uh, completely pasty. And um, he, he didn't have the life force, but he learned that over the years. So um, he's like this secret master that gives clues right where Gene is at. Um, and he uses baseball as a metaphor. Looking under the bush is like looking in all the places where, sorry, well, looking for the baseball in the yard without looking under the bush is like all the places that are easily portrayed, you know, the mainstream media, the mainstream medicine. But it's hard to find the ball if you don't look under the bush. And under the bush, literally like under the tree, under the tree where the fruit and, and herbs are, but under the bush is the hidden information. So it's even in the regular everyday life of someone like, you know, Gene living in the suburbs, through this master who comes to his way, he, he gives him this idea that you have to look where the ball is, even if it's not in the plain sight. Mm-hmm. So that whole scene is a pretty cool dialogue, um, and that leads to really piquing Gene's interest. Like, huh, you know, maybe I haven't been maybe I haven't been looking under the bush for my own health. Maybe if I want to see my kids grow up and my if I want to see my grandchildren, like like Don has here, I better pay attention to, to looking under the bush. And that leads to his curiosity starting to grow. He starts to ask questions. And then more and more information comes out of the woodwork. No, no pun intended. So let me ask you, you, Michael, you, um, you took research here and you've created a book that's instructive, but also has the inspiration and entertaining pieces too. How did you uh, balance that? That's a great question. Um, I, I, was, I was and am really immersed in this world. Uh, six years living full-time at the Tree of Life. Um, I knew that anything I wrote that, that was a story would be like just absolutely saturated with the information. Like people, just because what I wanted, my heart wanted to write a story about healing and nutrition. Because um, that's what my thesis was on, that's what my life was about. So for a while, I put 100% of my focus on generating a story. And I, I took some story workshops. I, I, um, I lit candles when I wrote so that I would be like creatively um, planted there to like the spirit of inspiration for myself. So there was a time when I was just, like, just receptive to the story because I knew whatever story came through my filter would come out. I would, I would put in these, these healing foundations, these practices, and, and the ideas about you know, our intestines being our, our roots like a tree, and that uh, our cells regenerate and replace themselves you know, every several years. I knew I would get these ideas in there. I just, I was, I just lived to, to teach them. Um, so it was getting a cohesive story that was suspenseful and, and thrilling and tied together that I actually spent years putting 100% of my focus on. And then I knew I would just get the knowledge in there based on my studies. Right, because you could have just written, you know, an, an, uh, an academia, an academic kind of book, you know, an informational based on your research and everything you've seen. But uh, here you've created this, you know, you tapped into the creative parts and the entertaining. Was that somewhere in your background? Did you have a background in, in writing earlier on? You know, um, ever since I was uh, 17, I, I like to write um, a bit of stories. Um, I, I made my first documentary film 
when I was uh, 19 called Echo Parque, and uh, that was while I was in college. Um, I wrote for different journals at that time. In fact, I was even in your book <laughs> in high school. Um, and I like to read. I don't know. I liked reading different uh, fiction books. Um, I was in a couple of plays. So I, I had this background. Um, I saw the story really develop through filmmaking in my life up to that point. Um, and I even have a, a mother who actually wrote um, a novel while I was in college. It was like, hers was autobiographical. So I, I was like in tune with her process. Um, so, yeah, um, I guess I'd have a little background. I just uh, never, I never realized that my my first. Um, I know I'd be, I knew I'd be a writer too. I never realized that my first book would be a fiction, until that um, became so apparent and clear. Well, we highly recommend the book. What you've been getting great feedback. What have you been hearing uh, from from readers? Mm, yeah. Um, so it's so gratifying when a, a doctor says, I, w- I want to buy 15 because I want to give them to my patients. Um, actually, I recently had, uh, let me actually pull up someone's um, personal uh, feedback. Here we go. Um, one is, uh, is a, a therapist named Deborah who said, I devoured this book in hours. I enjoyed it a lot. I'm going to send copies to several people in my family. My mother had type 2 diabetes, and my siblings cope with health issues and issues with diet all the time. What a great way to introduce what I'm always telling them in a more entertaining way. Thank you for writing this great tool. Um, then I had uh, Lloyd, who's a sound technician, say, The way Sweet Healing started knocked me out in the best way and kept getting better. I'm going to read it because it was such... I'm going to read it... Oh, sorry, I'm going to reread it because it was such a good ride the first time. Michael really brought his knowledge and learning and wove it in beautifully to the story. There were so many parts I remember vividly which inspire me. The school, the reconnecting with the old co-worker, uh, that really flowed beautifully. Uh, the bundle was really tied well to nicely, and the epilogue uh, was very fitting. Certain parts were left to the imagination, and I am inspired to, person- to personify and act this out in my own life. So I love that. Um, Alexis, who's a manager, said... I feel so alive after reading Sweet Healing. My determination and warrior for health and well-being is sparked, which I needed right now. I'm noticing I pay more attention to my breath, my food, and the beauty around me now. The beginning to end was extremely poignant. I was warmed by the familial bonds which are central to the plot, which will make the healthy living changes lasting because my family is most important to me. I also loved the description of various food concoctions. This book is a creative gift to my health. Yeah, and then Susan said she just finished it. I want to read it again. So anyway, so people are just uh, really giving me so much um, just heart-touching uh, feedback. Um, and uh, gosh, um, there's about 20 leaders, raw food leaders, um, juicing leaders, vegan leaders, healing leaders who have written their official testimonials as well. Right, yeah, I've noticed that. And it says... Uh, it's book one. So is this, are you planning a series? Is this going to continue? Yeah, actually there's going to be because, uh, it's, it's obvious that, um, there's a, there's a, in the epilogue, we hear about the grandchildren and, um, I'm going to actually take what I learned. Sorry, take what the reader learns and I learned from, from reading book one and, uh, lead it into raising, raising a, uh, youngsters. Cause this is actually about healing at middle age. You know, it's about recovering your health. 
and the whole the whole idea of uh, fiction for healthy uh, families feels really um, real to me now. So that's the direction of the of the sequel. We mentioned before you can get the book at readsweethealing.com. We're going to have links up at Juice Crew Radio as well, Michael. And you're you're going to be on a, a speaking tour as well. Is that the best place to find out where you are and how you're getting the word out about this book? Exactly. Like you said, at readsweethealing.com, you can get the book. You can also see that I'm speaking in San Francisco on December 13th. I don't know when this is going to air, but December 13th and December 17th in the Bay Area. Um, in New York City on January 7th, 8th, 9th, and 11th. Um, I'll also be going to Colorado, Texas, and Michigan uh, in the future after that. Uh, dates to be set. But uh, I've got the Bay Area and New York area um, definitely dialed in for you to come come to a book signing. ReadSweetHealing.com. Michael Bedard. Cal- yeah, ReadSweetHealing.com. ReadSweetHealing.com and ch- uh, click on the calendar. Yeah, and we'll, like I said, we'll put those links up at JuiceGrewRadio.com um, under today's show notes with Michael Bedar and Sweet Healing. So we highly recommend you check out this book. We're going to be doing that. Uh, it looks like essential reading over the holidays. Michael, anything to say in closing before we wrap it up here? In on? closing, um, I wish everyone a, a great holiday, um, a healthy year, and I'm extremely grateful for the opportunity. I, I don't take it for granted that you would be um, listening to me right now and, and learning how something I'm passionate about writing and sharing can uh, affect your life. So I really appreciate you and be well. Michael Bedar right here on Juice Crew Radio. I'm Steve Prusak, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Juice Guru Radio. Find out more about us at juicegururadio.com. Until next time, get your juice on.